0: Hello and welcome to episode 59 of the Batfoot Crazy Podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Today I'm going to be doing the first half of the first based preview. I was planning to record the whole thing, but. Uh, when I was recording it, I didn't realize that the recorder had turned off uh, 11 players uh, before. <laughs> so I had gotten all the way down towards the end and um, uh, and had not recorded 11 players. So, oh well. Uh, so now I'm splitting it uh, into two shows. Um, so be on the lookout for that in the uh, upcoming days. Uh, the first half of the first base preview and the second half will look at some projections for the top half of first baseman, folks who look like they're good values and others who don't, uh, who looks like the vi- biggest value, you may ask. You'll actually have to wait until the second half of the preview to find out. Sorry, that was mean. Um, so the preview should start to come out regularly now. I haven't been able to record uh, for the past little bit. Uh, as folks who listen to the podcast know, my family recently moved from Washington to California uh, to be closer uh, to uh, to family um, who lives in the area. It seems like a while ago, but it's been a couple weeks now. One of the reasons it feels so long is I've been attending to some personal matters. Uh, this is the, the sad part of the podcast. About six years ago, my dad was diagnosed with an aggressive form of Parkinson's and the disease has slowly been eroding his quality of life ever since. It didn't stop him from enjoying life, spending time with his grandkids, and he never complained about the disease. Over the last few months, his condition had worsened uh, and he passed away peacefully on Valentine's Day, surrounded by family. It's been a hard week for me and my family, but I also feel so fortunate we were able to spend my dad's final days with him, share some special moments as a family, and that he passed away peacefully. This week has also been a week of reflection for me me, uh, about my dad, the memories we shared, and the impact he's had on me. At this point, you're probably thinking, oh man, this is heavy. When does the first base preview start? Uh, But for me, uh, baseball and my dad are synonymous. I grew up in a baseball family. My dad was the coach of our high school team, and I spent plenty of time on baseball fields and in cars on trips to games and tournaments. Not surprising to folks who know me best, or to, to folks who listen to this podcast, uh, his players even nicknamed me Mouth because I talk so much. In my first baby photos, I'm wearing a backwards hat and holding a baseball. All my siblings played the game, and my youngest brother played throughout college and now runs a nonprofit with the goal of increasing access to college baseball for high school players. My dad played Stratomatic baseball before I knew what fantasy baseball was, and it probably launched my passion for baseball card. Uh, board games, and eventually my love of launch angles, exit velocities, swinging strikes, and O swing. My dad loved the Red Sox and watched virtually every game from the day we got direct TV when I was in high school until the last game he watched, the Red Sox winning their fourth World Series in his lifetime. Among the many lessons he taught me was that if you yelled loud enough at the TV, the players would probably hear you. (laughs) I lived in Boston when the Red Sox won their first World Series, and the second Keith Folk flipped the ball to Doug Mankiewicz, I picked up the phone and called my dad. It was special to hear his excitement on the other line. Years of loyalty repaid, And that excitement is one of the things I'll remember most, whether it was baseball, coffee, donuts, sing wildlife on a walk with my mom in his adopted hometown of Sitka, Alaska. He loved the things he loved and he shared that love with me. So the next time you hear me yelling into the microphone about a player's incredible play discipline or enthusiastically extolling the virtues of Alex Bregman's underlying skills, you have Tony Gavon to thank. Thanks for everything, Dad. You can follow me on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy, Instagram at BatFlipCrazy, Facebook at BatFlipCrazyFantasy, YouTube, just search for BatFlipCrazy, and the blog is BatFlipCrazy.com. Thanks to everybody for listening and for giving me the opportunity to share the love my dad gave to me with all of you. I hope you enjoy the first half of the first base preview. Let's get this party started. All right, let's get started with the first base preview. Um, As we did uh, during the catcher preview, how I'm gonna break folks down is essentially taking a look. What I've done is um, I've used two tools that are provided uh, by Tanner Bell at Smart Fantasy, uh, BB on Twitter. Um, he put together two tools that have been incredibly helpful for me in creating um, projections and just thinking about uh, positions, uh, thinking, about, thinking about the draft and as I go into drafts. And so what I've done is essentially taken the first, which is a projection aggregator. So it allows you to put in three different, um, up to three uh, p- uh, available projection systems plug those in and then it'll uh, aggregate those projection and average them out um, to create a sort of meta projection. Um, and so I did that using uh, three that I like on fan graphs, the first being uh, steamer, the second being ATC by Ariel Cohen, and then the third one is the bat by Derek Carty. Uh, so those are the three projection systems that I uh, kind of put together uh, and aggregate into uh, the average of those three projections is what you see, what I'm going to be reading off in terms of the projection. So I take a look at that, and then he also created an SGP worksheet, which essentially does the work for you in uh, plugging in the projections that you have and then give, getting dollar values for them. It allows you to easily set up league settings, like the number of teams, uh, the pitcher and hitter split, which I have at 67, uh, or 67, uh, 33, just because that's kind of uh, typical, Uh, I'll adjust that slightly depending on the league. So if I'm doing like an NFBC main event, I might, uh, shift that over to like 65, 35, because pitching, you know, goes, uh, goes a lot higher up, but that just gives you a little bit of a sense of what I'm looking at. And so what I want to do is look at ADP and compare that, um, to, uh, so generate an SGP value. So standard gain points, um, value, um, numeric value, and auction value, if you will, and I'm going to take that, and then I'm going to look at where players are going in terms of their ADP. So, where does their SGP rank, and then what is their ADP, and what is the dollar value associated uh, with that uh, ADP? And then that's going to give me a sense not only about how good a player is necessarily, but how much value that player, based on their projection, is. Is likely to produce. Now the thing about projections, right, is they are um, generally speaking, they are looking at kind of the 50% uh, median um, projection, right? They're not looking at the 90%, they're not looking at the 10%. So based on the projection that you see and looking at the underlying skills, you know, I'm going to make a determination myself about whether um, whether that projection makes sense or whether it might be a little bit off. And one of the major pieces with this is looking at playing time, right? So if a guy is scheduled for 450 plate appearances and his, his, uh, his value isn't that high right now, well, what would happen if I uh, prorated that out to a 600 plate appearances, right? So if he wins the starting job, you know, do, how far up the board does that propel him? And so what I've done with my spreadsheet, in addition to looking at the SGP, ADP, and then the cost of that ADP and the value is I've also looking at you know runs per plate appearance, home run per plate appearance, RBI per plate appearance, stolen base per plate appearance, and the batting average, and that just kind of highlights for me a little bit, you know where uh, where there might be some room for value in guys that are getting fewer plate appearances. So you know if you look at a guy like Luke Voigt, you know he's scheduled for four hundred sixty eight plate appearances right now, but when you look at his um, you know, home run per plate appearances, RBI per plate appearance, they're all slightly better than. You know, better than other, uh, better than league average, and so you know that might be a situation where if he gets to 600 plate appearances, instead of looking at 20 home runs, uh, right, we're looking at closer to uh, 25, 30 home runs. So just something uh, to think about, kind of contextualize us as we run through the different players. So with each player, I will provide you know the dollar valuation for that player, where they're going in the ADP, and then uh, what the cost of that ADP is, and then the value as well as their projection. So hopefully that will uh, that context provides a little bit of insight into the way that I'm thinking about things because the thing that's that I think is challenging with rankings, and I mentioned this on the catcher rankings, is that you know you're not going to have the opportunity to choose you know the best player necessarily um, at every single position, right? And what you need to be thinking about is how do you construct a team that maximizes value, um, and in addition to maximizing value. Uh, especially in formats that are, that have a, you know, have a overall prize like an NFBC uh, or a TGFBI. Uh, In those situations, you know, you really, you need to be thinking about um, spreading out uh, where that value rests in terms of categories so that you're not, because if you're down in one category, then you're essentially out of the overall competition. So that's also something that I'm thinking about. If you, if you're in a mono league, which is 95 percent of folks probably, you know, then you don't have to, um, you don't necessarily have to approach it the same way that I'm approaching it. Um, you can, you can choose not necessarily, I would never punt a category, um, but something like stolen bases, you know, you can always shoot four middle of the pack a little bit above that. But one of the challenges that I really enjoy with Roto fantasy baseball is figuring out how to take, how to get as, how to create as balanced a squad as possible. And so I'm always trying to do that, you know, regardless of the scenario, generally speaking, unless there's something that that impedes me. Like if the draft progresses and it's pretty clear that uh, I'm not going to be able to get uh, do well in a particular category, you know, obviously you have to be able to adjust on the fly, but all right, that's enough for context. Let's hop into the first, uh, uh, the first preview. I'm going to do this by ADP, not necessarily by uh, my own rankings, but I think based on you know the feedback that i provide it will give you a sense of who i like and who may i might not like where they're going at their adp and just overall in general so paul goldschmidt uh, is the first first baseman off the board these uh these uh this adp was taken about a week ago so it may be slightly off so make sure you double check um but you know and obviously it's very fluid as we get towards graph season so this is uh, as of about a week ago uh adp of 18 for paul goldschmidt uh his projection is uh, 665 plate appearances, 96 runs, 30 home runs, 93 RBI, 11 stolen bases with a 282 batting average. That's good for a uh, $26 valuation. Uh, his ADP, that ADP of 18, is a $27 pick. So he is actually losing uh, a little bit of value for folks. Now, the key to remember with guys who are going really high up in drafts is that it's very difficult for them to return value and so if you're getting you know even value if you're getting a dollar value that is huge uh, for a guy uh, up at the top because you know you're already paying a hefty price for them and so if they're returning value they're not using if they're getting close to value they're not losing you the league um, they're probably helping you uh, do better in it, and so that's just something to remember, right? So when Paul Goldschmidt is a is a negative one dollar value, that sounds bad, like like drafting him at an ADP of eighteen is a terrible idea. But there's a lot of there's other players who you know are 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 going to hurt you a little bit more in terms of value. And again, at the top of the draft, especially after you get past really Trout and Bets, you know you're looking at a lot of guys with very similar. Uh, valuations and so the question is how do you construct a team that gives you flexibility later on in the draft or you know that that addresses some scarcity in terms of um, in terms of categories uh, early on in the draft so Paul Goldschmidt that $26 uh, valuation $27 uh, pick uh, for him you know overall I like Goldschmidt I think the St. Louis Cardinals situation is a good one for him Should really help him out with rbi it's not really beneficial to him in terms of uh, power you know obviously there was the humidor in arizona which hurt him a little bit last year Uh, st louis is not a great hitters ballpark so just something to consider i think the major reason why i don't why i have freddie freeman ahead of paul goldschmidt is you know the speed has been uh, eroding pretty quickly with goldschmidt Uh, the cardinals are not necessarily notorious uh, for giving the green light in terms of stolen bases, he's going to be hitting in the middle of that lineup, uh, and he's going to have some guys behind him, uh, potentially Marcelo Zuna, Yadier Molina, uh, you know, Jose Martinez potentially, you know, where, you know, they have some extra base uh, power, and so, you know, whether he's going to get the green light or not, we don't know, but the numbers in terms of the stolen bases have been going down. I believe he had eight Last year, so that's just something to consider. One of the reasons why, even with the eleven stolen base projection, I I don't necessarily think he's going to hit that number, Uh, and I like Freddie Freeman's batting average, which we'll get to in in a second. So Freddie Freeman, so that's that's Paul Goldschmidt again. You know the profile is very safe, Uh, it's solid. Um, He's solid at the beginning of the second round, really anywhere in the second round. I think for Goldschmidt, it's just a matter of how you want to build your team. Again, I would not count on him necessarily for. Uh, stolen bases. I think that would be the big thing that I would caution folks on uh, thinking back into the days when Goldschmidt stole, you know, uh, 32 and I think 18 bases. You know, I think those days are long gone. Freddie Freeman, uh, ADP of 20. So going right after Goldschmidt. And, you know, if you listen to every single preview you listen to, they're going to tell you, you know, that, that Freeman and Goldschmidt are so close in terms of their you know, value. It's really a question of which player you like more and how you want to start your team. Uh, Freeman's projection is 666 plate appearances, 94 runs, 27 home runs, 96 RBI, eight stolen bases uh, with a uh, 298 batting average, uh, 2978 batting average. That is uh, good for $26. Uh, Going at his his ADP of 20, that's a $26 pick uh, right there. And so he is you know, essentially meeting value. So um, again, you know, he's right about at value. The thing that I like about Freeman is I actually see a lot of room for growth. You know, he has three consecutive years of a batting average over 300. So the uh, 298 projection is obviously one of the higher ones you're gonna see from a batter, but I do think that there's room uh, for growth. You know, I think that's a cautious approach. Uh, The stolen bases also is a surprise. Freeman actually stole more bases last year uh, than Paul Goldschmidt did. I believe he had 11 last year to Paul Goldschmidt's eight. And so he even mentioned during spring training, and again, anything that you hear during spring training uh, outside of a few factors uh, like velocity, uh, like launch angle, um, things of that nature. um, You know, Freddie Freeman um, mentioned that he wanted to steal Uh, 15 stolen bases. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt, but at least it's in his mind that stealing um, is something that he wants to continue to do. The lineup is really in flux in Atlanta. You know, folks are speculating, you know, is Acuna going to bat first? Is Acuna going to bat cleanup? I think if he bats first, that's additional RBI opportunities for Freeman. I think if he bats uh, fourth, that's additional runs uh, for Freeman. So either way, I think you're going to get close to 200 uh, runs and RBI combined. If you get a full season for Freeman, he's my number one first baseman. Uh, a guy that I like a lot, going uh, high in drafts. Who had a who had an off year last year is Anthony Rizzo. His ADP is currently thirty nine. His projection is six fifty eight, ninety two runs, twenty nine home runs, ninety five RBI, seven stolen bases with a two eighty one batting average. So actually, a very similar uh, projection uh, to. Uh, our friend Paul Goldschmidt um you know the the major difference there is the stolen bases and again you know I I don't necessarily agree that sto- that Goldschmidt's going to steal double digit bases uh Rizzo is a guy so that's a $23 value uh that projection and he's going at 39 which is a $22 pick so you're actually gaining value um based on the projection right now for Rizzo which I think is really nice uh Rizzo is an example, I think, of recency bias and the impact of injuries. Last year, he did have a bad back. He, was, uh, he really started to round into form in the second half. His power was down a little bit, um, and some of the metrics were down in that respect, but I think a lot of that had to do with the back injury. Uh, he actually uh, struck out uh, less um, than he had in any previous season. There was some lack of luck in terms of his uh, expected average, according to X stats. And so I think, you know, from a batting average perspective, relatively speaking from a power perspective, and especially from a counting stats perspective, I think you can really look for uh, Rizzo to um, get back to where he has been uh, previously. He was super unlucky from a runs perspective. He always has a great OBP. His runs per plate appearance last year was well below league average, despite having a uh, an OBP well above league average. I think that will change this year. And so I think Rizzo is the same guy that was going in the middle of the second round last year. Uh, he's just taken a little bit of a dip uh, because of that recency bias and that injury, which has raised some concerns. But a guy I like a lot. I also think there's room for growth there with the batting average, with his K rate going down, um, his uh, his in-zone contact and contact being really nice. I think there's some uh, uh, some really good um, you know opportunity there for rizzo and he's a guy if i'm drafting kind of in the middle of the third round, I'm definitely looking to target potentially even at the at the beginning of the first round because as we'll see as we go through um, as we go through the position is pretty quickly uh, first base drops off there's there's some elite talent at the top, but it gets pretty murky pretty quick a lot of guys with very similar stat lines and so if if you can I think rizzo uh, is a really nice guy in the third round. Cody Bellinger is up next. Now, Bellinger is a guy, when I did the preview earlier in the offseason, you know, I had some questions about Bellinger because of the batting average and just the approach. There was a ton of variance last year um, in, you know, his approach, in his contact rate, and obviously something that, that's going to happen time to time, but it was it was so drastic that it just raised some concerns to me about the level of comfort with his swing, um, his level of comfort with the approach. But still, when you look at, you know, both the projections and what they see for him, and then when you look at the power speed combination with Bellinger, you know, even with that 250-ish batting average, he's still uh, producing, you know, a, a decent line for where he's going. So he's going in an ADP of 44, uh, 80, uh, 636 plate appearances, 87 runs, uh, 32 home runs, 94 RBI, 11 stolen bases with a 259 batting average. Uh, so, pretty balanced overall, right there. Uh, that's a $22 uh, profile uh, or projection for Bellinger. Um, he is, um, and that, that pick, number 44, is a $21 pick. Um, and so, in, uh, in this situation, you are gaining a value of about $1 uh, based on the projection. Again, you know, right being right around value when you're going this high in drafts is is pretty solid. The the couple things that I would caution with the Bellinger uh profile, the thirty-two home runs, obviously he's a young player, and so there's definitely room for growth, and that's certainly a possibility um for him uh, to happen, but you know a lot of the power metrics took a pretty big step back last year, and so barring a increase in those you know underlying metrics, I do think that he might have a hard time hitting thirty home runs but on the on the other side, the dude 's fast like if you look at his sprint speed. Um, It's way up there. He stole 14 bases last year. Um, He had a really high success rate. And so with Bellinger, you know, I think whatever you're missing out in home runs, you're probably going to make up in stolen bases. And so, you know, I'd ideally like to have a guy with a better batting average um, drafting at that point in the draft. There's a number of guys, you know, going in that kind of 45-ish area that I like a lot. Uh, But Bellinger, certainly you could do worse than going with Bellinger, especially with the dual eligibility at first base and outfield. Uh, Just a little heads up, my cat has joined the podcast. I'm not sure whether you can uh, hear him uh, purring or not, but he's a huge fan uh, of the podcast. And so he has come to listen to me blather on uh, about first base because he knows what a critical position it is for fantasy baseball this year uh next up uh, a guy i love just because of his personality and uh just because he has probably the best approach in the game that is joey Votto, adp of 68 650 plate appearances 90 runs 22 home runs 82 rbi three stolen bases with a 287 batting average 650 plate appearances, that's a $17 projection. The ADP at, at, at 68 is a $17 um, valuation, so he's right at value there. Again, you know Votto is a guy who um, you know, the, the approach is so solid. I feel pretty confident in him being able to reach this projection, and I also think that there is some room for growth here uh, with that batting average. Uh, Last year was the first year uh, in a little bit that he's hit under 300. Uh, There wasn't much of a change in the underlying metrics in terms of contact uh, and plate approach. That's still very, very solid. He dealt with some injuries last year. I'm not going to project him for for any type of dramatic increase in home runs. I think the 22 22 to 25 is a solid projection for Votto. Where I do think there's some room for growth is in the runs. Um, And in particular, the RBI at 82. If he continues to bat third in that lineup, I think it's a very underrated lineup. If they can get Jesse Winker batting at the top there with his close to 400 OBP, you know, get Scooter uh, Jeanette or even Yasiel Puig batting in that second spot there. uh, Don't sleep on the Reds lineup. I think it's really, really strong. And so I think there's the possibility uh, for a little bit of a bump in that RBIs from that 82 uh, projection that we see there. Um, to a little bit of an increase. I think this is going to be one of, if not the best, uh, lineup that Joey Votto has hit in, at least uh, in the last few years. And so that gives me a little bit of of hope for Votto. Um, You know, again, you know, we're going to get into a group of guys that doesn't have a ton of stolen bases. Um, That is always, you know, a little bit of a concern for me is going after guys this early in the draft that don't at least provide some semblance. Of stolen bases, just because when you get stolen bases later later in the draft, you're generally giving up, you know, a lot more. Uh, so that would be my only note of caution on Joey Votto. But I do think, you know, where he's going, I think there's a little bit of room for growth there, and I think the plate approach and, and everything is really really solid. So, uh, that's that's that. Uh, Matt Carpenter uh, is a guy um, who's going 77 right now, 638 plate appearances, 93 runs, 27 home runs. 77 RBI, four stolen bases with a 254 average. Uh, that's a $16 projection. His ADP at uh, 77, that's a $16 value. So, again, right around there, it's actually a negative $1. It rounds up to a negative $1. Um, you know, difference. Not huge there, but we're starting to get into the part of draft where you can start to see a decent amount of value. The thing for Carpenter for me is I just feel like You know, in batting average leagues, in OBP leagues, it's a little bit different. But in batting average leagues, he's not really going to help you out with batting average. He might even hurt you a little bit. And he's also not going to get you stolen bases. So this high up in the draft, he is not going to be providing value to you, um, you know, in in the two scarcest categories. And so with that in mind, I mean, even with RBIs, with him batting first, that's going to help the run total. Uh, but it's not, you know, his the RBIs aren't even going to be that beneficial. And so I'm really not interested in Carpenter, where he's going right now. Just from a team construction standpoint, I don't think it's that um, helpful. I think this profile is available um, later on, and I think we'll see that. And so Carpenter is a guy, for me, I think, who I'm probably not going to own on any teams, at least batting average teams. Um, and he's a guy who don't pay for that career year, right? Everything went Went well for Carpenter, and that's not to say that um, he didn't he didn't earn what he did last year. He certainly did. He had the highest hard drive percentage uh, among uh, among qualified batters um, in baseball last year. Um, and so, you know, and that's that's x stats like best ideal launch angle and exit velocity combination. So he's definitely a very good hitter, but he is. You know, uh, I think this is his year 33 season. You know, he's getting older. He has had some injury issues um, in the past. And so, you know, he just had a career year. I wouldn't necessarily pay for it. And I think where he's providing contributions to your team, you can get those later on in drafts. Uh, Jesus Aguilar is the next first baseman going off the board at an ADP of 82. Uh, He has projected for 601 plate appearances. 77 runs, 32 home runs, 92 RBI, and one stolen base with a 251 batting average. Uh, that's a $15 projection, $16 uh, ADP slot, so he's losing you a little bit. You know, Aguilar is a guy I think that I'm, you know, uh, I'm a pretty, pretty hard fade on him this year. His batted ball quality is definitely elite. I mean, when he hits the ball, it's great. He was just hitting out of his mind in the first half last year. Really fell off in the second, especially when it comes to, you know, his contact rate and his in-zone contact rate. And so I think that was more just a a situation where he came out really hot and he was regressing back to his true talent. And so I think that batting average may be a little bit low at that 251 because he's going to be a high BABIP guy. Um, But, you know, again, like I don't think he's going to be a big Value add there. Um, the Brewers are obviously a great lineup, but he's really slow, and his rate stats last year were off the charts in both runs per plate appearance and RBI per plate appearance. And I don't think he's likely to replicate that. So I think the projection is 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 good. Uh, I think that's solid. Again, you're losing value, and this is a spot in the draft when you when there's some really good values. I think that are that are that are starting to show themselves um, in the draft where you can. Um, you know, where, where this is where you, I think you can really uh, take advantage of some guys who um, are, are undervalued. So I'm fading Aguilar here. One guy who I do like um, uh, a lot going in this area um, is Jose Abreu. Um, he is, uh, has an ADP of 88, uh, 621 plate appearances is the projection, 79 runs, 27 home runs, 90 RBI, two stolen bases with a 284 batting average. Um, and that is a $18 uh, projection with a $16 uh, cost of that slot at ADP of 88. So he's actually providing more value than uh, Jesus Aguilar, Matt Carpenter, and Joey Votto according to the projection. Um, but he's going you know, 20 spots behind Votto um, and behind both Carpenter and Aguilar. And and I also see a little bit of room for growth for Abreu. Now the thing about Abreu is he is a little bit of a compiler. Um, he doesn't necessarily have you know elite uh, rate stats, um, and he's but he's managed to compile those over the last um, couple years, and he's done that consistently. He was really unlucky last year he's one of the more unlucky players last year in terms of his batting average i don't have the numbers in front of me but i believe he batted in in the high 260s um, when he had a 293 expected batting average and so i think that that luck is likely to um you know come back a little bit and he's been close to a 300 hitter um uh, for a while now for first basemen's this first baseman excuse me uh, this is huge right Joey Votto has a good batting average Rizzo Freeman Goldschmidt have a good batting average you know but the next guy who's going at first base who you would expect to have like a decent batting average is probably Eric Hosmer going at pick 165 you know there's some other guys like Yuli Gurriel but batting average is not something that uh, that you're going to find with a lot of the first basemen, and so the fact that he's contributing pretty solidly in four categories um, is is a pretty big um, big boost. And so I think that's one of the reasons why uh, you know he's a decent guy to target. Um, you know, in, in this spot, I also think there's some room for growth in the projection, at least you know, in uh, in the in the RBI. You know, with the ninety RBI. The White Sox obviously are not uh, a great lineup. Uh, you know They are young, they are hopefully getting better, um, and so you know he's gonna be hitting uh, in the third spot, which is the best spot to be batting uh, in a lineup for fantasy purposes, both runs and RBI. Um, so that's pretty nice there. My only hesitancy with Abreu, I have him in one of my three leagues that I've drafted so far. Uh, my hesitancy with Abreu is the fact that there isn't any stolen bases that are coming with the profile. And so for me, I think that's one of the, um, you know, that's one of the few reasons why, you know, I I might be hesitant to pull the trigger here. So depending on what your, um, how your draft is rolling out, um, you know, I think that, or how you want to construct your team, how well you've addressed stolen bases early on, I think, you know, Abreu could be a really nice spot here um, going at pick. Uh, 88. Uh, In addition to my cat, you can probably hear the wind chimes outside potentially here uh, in the background as well. Uh, It's kind of windy here in Grass Valley. We're on the top of the top of the ridge. Um, And so, um, you know, it's uh, the wind is uh, the wind is a blowing. So if you hear some uh, some ringing in the background, just know that is the wind chimes uh, here. Uh, next up is a guy that I like a lot as well uh, from a first-base perspective. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to nab him in any drafts. I think that's mostly just a product of of, of uh, where he's going in the profile and what I'm looking for at the time and the fact that there's a ton of really good values in similar positions, especially in the outfield going around this. But that's Matt Olson, ADP of 110. His projection at 642 plate appearances is 84 runs, uh, 32 home runs, 91 RBI two stolen bases with a 243 batting average. That's a $16 projection going at a $14 um, ADP. And so, you know, again, similar to Abreu, he's a guy who's gonna get you, uh, Abreu was a th- rounded up to a $3 value, Olsen's a $2 value, so again, really nice. I think there's some, you know, the thing with Olsen is, you know, uh, uh, the projection is solid, I don't disagree with it uh, at all, I do think there's some signs to me in the underlying metrics especially the plate discipline uh the end zone contact and the overall contact and the continued hard hit rate for olsen that there could be a breakout um and, and with olsen he's obviously already hit a ton of home runs in his short career you know a breakout might look like something close to 40 home runs for him it's just a bummer that olsen um, is uh you know plays in in oakland which is one of the worst uh, left-handed hitting uh, ballparks from a home run factor perspective. Uh, but, you know, again, he's providing value at this spot. So if you're looking for a power bat, if you're looking for RBI uh, or counting stats, I do think the batting average is going to be slightly higher this year than that 243. Um, the The contact rate really increased towards the end of the season. Um, so I think he can get up, you know, in the two 250 to 260 range. Um, which definitely will add some value to that projection if he can continue to hit for power in a really nice uh, Oakland A's uh, lineup. Uh, Next up is a guy who actually represents um, one of the highest uh, values um, uh, of any player. And he's a guy that in standalone leagues I would definitely uh, be looking at and thinking about constructing my team around, and that is Joey Gallo. Right now his ADP is at 113. Uh, the projection in 613 plate appearances 88 runs 42 home runs 101 rbi six stolen bases and, but you know and here's the butt right uh, is a 222 batting average and so the batting average is really low and you really need to uh, factor that in if you're in an overall competition it makes it virtually not impossible but it makes it very very difficult Uh, to get Gallo. I drafted him recently um, in a 50-team draft and hold, but my initial picks were um, I I had Trout, I had Daniel Murphy, I had Lorenzo Cain, I had Justin Turner, I had Nelson Cruz. So all guys that are projected to bat, you know, some of the highest batting averages, right? Like anywhere from 280, you know, to the low 300s. For their projection, that is the type of foundation that you need to start with if you want to plug Gallo in, um, in there. But boy, oh boy, twenty dollar value on that projection, uh, which is above everybody after Cody Bellinger in the, in first base, uh, and this is a fourteen dollar ADP. So that's a six dollar value going pretty high up in the draft, which is, uh, which is which you're not going to see a ton of. And so Gallo's the guy if your team looks right. Uh, You know, if you want to kind of shoot for the moon, you know, if he can get that batting average, you know, inside, you know, around 240 or so, he has had some slow improvements, you know, in the underlying metrics, um, especially around content or not especially around contact, but he's just progressively whittled down that K rate. You know, if he could get to 240 with that profile, my goodness, you'd be looking at a guy uh, who could be a league winner just because of where you're able to get him and the fact that he sets you up so nicely for power and RBI. I mean, a guy going at 113 who's projected to have, I think, the most home runs, if not pretty close, like top five for sure in terms of projected home runs and probably top 10 in terms of projected RBI you know, that is uh, that is just phenomenal. Uh, just to give you a sense, he's the 34th ranked player in terms of valuation uh, that I have, and he's going at an ADP of 113. So that is huge potential value there uh, for Joey Gallo. Uh, Max Muncy uh, is a guy um, who is um, uh, currently at an ADP of 127. Uh, oh, one thing on Gallo, he does have Uh, dual eligibility at first base and outfield so that's always nice to have uh, in today's game even though they are getting rid of the 10-day DL um, you know there's still I think going to be a a lot more DL stints just being cautious with guys and resting them a little bit Um, so having that dual eligibility is still still a big bonus. Uh, Max Muncy again uh, I'll reiterate I'll, I'll, I'll rephrase that it's not necessarily a big bonus but in a tiebreaker situation right if you have a guy valued at a similar level then you know that could be the tiebreaker that you're looking at because that will come in handy at some point in the season max muncie is the next guy uh first baseman uh, also has uh eligibility at third base adp of 127 uh, his projection is 556 plate appearances that's probably because he was getting platooned against lefties towards the end of last year so if that plate appearance goes up just just consider that Seventy five runs, twenty seven home runs, seventy seven RBI, three stolen bases, with a two forty two batting average. Definitely a guy who gets a boost in OBP leagues. That is a ten dollar value, uh, valued projection, uh, projections. Excuse me, twelve dollar ADP slot. So he's losing you two dollars at a spot where you're starting to see some values kind of pop up. And so I think the thing for Muncie is I'm out on Muncie. I think the platoons and just the dodgeritis just worries me a little bit. You know, the the dual eligibility is interesting, especially since there are rumors that he may play second base and he'd be able to get eligibility there. That might be really interesting because I really don't like the second base position this year. Uh, I'll cover that in the second base preview. But uh, Muncie, um, you know, one of the things that really concerned me was Muncie's contact rate. It really shot down... Uh, towards the end of the year. He had struggle making contact. He still makes elite contact, and I don't think there's anything, you know, um, uh, I don't think that's not legit, but you know, I think you're looking at home runs, I think you're looking again at a guy who is probably gonna hurt you in batting average, um, and who's gonna hurt you in stolen bases, the two scarcest categories. And around the 120 spot, there's some really nice outfielders going around this spot, like Aaron Hicks, uh, Michael Brantley, you know, guys like that, um, who, you know, AJ Pollock, who I, I don't necessarily like, but I definitely like him more than Muncie, you know, guys with just really nice kind of power speed or, um, batting average, um, help that they can provide. And so I'm fading Muncie here. I probably won't a- a- add him, which is sad because I own him in a lot of places last year. And he's, uh, he's one of my, um, one of the guys I spotted, I guess that I I don't know if pride is the right word, but you know, uh, I saw him pretty early on last year just because of the, the barrel rate and some of the plate discipline uh, metrics and, and contact that he was showing. And so uh, I love Max Muncy. I always will. He helped me win a, a couple leagues last year. Next up, Edwin Encarnacion, ADP of 128. He's a guy whose who's ADP has really been fading uh, a little bit here. 555 plate appearances. That seems a little low for me. 71 runs, uh, 30 home runs, 85 RBI, two stolen bases, a 240 uh, batting average. So a very similar profile to our buddy Max Muncy. Maybe a little bit more RBI. He's obviously, the Mariners are not as bad, I think, as people think they're going to be. You know, they've managed to get younger. They've managed to add prospects. I don't think their offense, you know, is really that much different different than it was you know last year obviously Encarnacion is replacing uh uh, Cruz uh you have uh Robinson Cano leaving but D Gordon shifting over there you have Hanniger you have Domingo Santana in there um you know so it's not a great lineup but you know Mitch Hanniger but it's not—it's not as bad as people people say. I think the major question with Encarnacion is he's 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 potentially going to get traded this year. And so, if he gets traded, is he an everyday regular? Where is he going? You know, some of that uncertainty and that may be playing out with the 555 plate appearances. That is a twelve-dollar value uh, valued projection, twelve-dollar ADP slot. So he's right about even. You know, again, uh, a guy who I'm probably not going to have. Uh, I think in the first base preview that I did with Fantasy World Order with Pat from from FWO, you know, I think he had a really good point where you know he was point he was saying like you know the area where where he's le- he's least likely to help you out is batting average, and in the area where you're going to start to see I think some regression age related regression, you know the power metrics look fine, but you know the contact maybe. Um, you know, going a little bit he doesn't have much to give in terms of batting average before he becomes a liability he's also not stealing bases, and again he's going in an area where I think there's a lot of really good values in the draft so i'm fading i'm not necessarily fading, but i'm probably not going to own a ton of shares of Edwin unless he falls a little bit uh, further down than I expected. Now a guy who actually is the least valuable player, uh, according to his projection, and a guy that I'm kind of off of, I really wanted to be into in Profar after the season that he had last year, but I just don't like some of the stuff that's going on below um, the surface. Uh, his uh, projection is 550 plate appearances, 68 runs, 16 home runs, 62 RBI, 8 stolen bases uh, with a two fifty-eight batting average. The concerns that I have with Profar, you know, number one, I think the park change. You know, park changes are are maybe a little overrated, but his is pretty dramatic. Uh, Going from, uh, you know, the Rangers, uh, what is it called, Globe Life Stadium, uh, one of the better hitter parks, to Oakland, which is one of the worst hitter parks, uh, especially for um, left-handed batters, which... You know, Profar is going to see the majority of his bats left-handed. I'm pretty sure he's a switch hitter. Maybe I'm making that up, um, but uh, you know, I, the power metrics were a little underwhelming. Both the expected home runs, you know, and then just looking at the overall power metrics. And so I definitely see the home park hurting him uh, in that respect. Um, I think he'll definitely get plate appearances uh, in Oakland, which will be really, really nice. Um, but you know, he's not that fast. He had an hundred percent success rate in his stolen bases last year, you know, which is great, but you know, whether or not that will continue or not, I don't know. And also Oakland, uh, is the stole the least amount of bases last year. I think they had like le- fewer than Baltimore. I think they had like 35 stolen bases across the whole season. And so, especially in that lineup, you know, he's probably going to be batting, I would guess like second, maybe towards the end of the lineup. I like him more actually towards the end of the lineup because if he's batting second i don't think he's going to steal because you know he's going to have matt olson he's going to have chris davis uh batting after him you know some major mashers and so stealing bases just doesn't make sense in front of those guys and it doesn't align with the a's philosophy so that's something to consider with with profar uh, that projection that i shared that's a seven dollar projection um, and a twelve dollar adp slot so he's losing you five dollars Again, at a space where you when there's an opportunity to get a lot of value, so Profar is a guy. You know, if you if you adjust up that those plate appearances, you know the line looks a lot better, and I think he may get there. Um, uh, but again, you know, I just the underlying skills are not something that I that I like. There's maybe a little bit of room for growth in batting average, but he's never had a high BABIP, and you know the batted ball quality is only kind of meh. Next up is uh. Ian Desmond, uh Colorado Rockies, 146 is his ADP. His projection is 506 plate appearances, 64 runs, 17 home runs, 63 RBI, 16 stolen bases, 261 um batting average. Desmond is a tough guy. Um he's really a tough guy to draft, I think, because I think there's so much, you know, he could be great like he was last year when he went 2020. Um, but I think there's a lot of luck there, especially with the home run total, or he could, you know, lose a reg lose playing time and, and be the guy that hurts you the most out of anybody. And so, you know, for that reason, just because I think he's going around a spot where there's some really nice, I'm looking at a lot of, you know, like my catcher ones right around this spot at 146, you know, your Yadier Molinas or, you know, um, uh, who are the other catchers uh, that I like, uh, Buster Posey, um. Yasmani Grandal are kind of going in this area, you know, and so those are guys that actually are producing a lot of value where they're going, you know, because uh because they're uh at, at the catcher position, and so he's a guy that I'm probably not going after um at all unless there's some sort of news between now and spring training that he's going to play on a regular basis. I think mean, right now they're looking at him potentially center field, so if he can get everyday plate appearances, I think he should be fine. Outside of OBP leagues, um, you know, I think the batting average is going to continue to be low. Dude hits like 61%, um, 61% ground balls. It's just it's just a blah approach. Um, so, you know, he's a guy who, you know, uh, risk reward type of pick, but a guy that I'm going to kind of fade at this point. Because I think even last year what he did, I don't necessarily see that being sustainable with the skills that he has. Eric Hosmer is the next guy, and believe it or not, Eric Hosmer is a guy uh, that I like a lot. Uh, where he's going right now, you know, obviously he gets a bunch of bunch of crap uh, because of the contract that he signed, which you know that it's not necessarily his fault. But I definitely think fantasy owners are taking it out a little bit on him when you look at his projection. His ADP is 165, 656 uh, plate appearances, 78 uh, runs. 21 home runs, 79 RBI, six stolen bases with a 271 batting average. You know, again, for a first baseman, that's a pretty balanced profile. That's actually a $15 projection right there. Um, And he's going at a $10 ADP. So that's a $5 value. 165 ADP, He's ranks out as the 76th uh, best hitter. And so that's just something to... um, you know, to be cognizant of with with Hosmer, I think, you know, if you miss out on the the top end of first baseman and you decide that you don't necessarily want to go with an Abreu, an Olsen, or a Gallo at that point in time, you know, I think Hosmer is a really nice kind of balanced profile that you can get where he's not going to hurt you in any categories necessarily. He's not going to help you. I think the floor is relatively low. You know, I think we saw the floor last year. I think his second year will be better. He's also going to have Manny Machado potentially batting behind him now, uh, or in front of him, which should help his his runs or RBIs at least a little bit. Um, you know, um, and, and that's a young lineup that could take some strides this year. So Hosmer is a guy that I don't mind. Um, too much and maybe a guy that ends up on quite a few of my teams uh, this year at first base. Miguel Cabrera ADP of 173. He's fading pretty pretty quickly too. Uh, 554 plate appearances, 68 runs, 20 home runs, 74 RBI, one stolen base with a 283 batting average. That's an $11 uh, projection, a $10 uh, ADP slot. So he is producing $1 of value. Uh, he's a big fade for me, Cabrera. I just don't believe in the health, um, you know, and, and a lot of the underlying metrics will have you believe that he is still a borderline elite hitter, and I just don't see it. I think, you know, his back, it, it's been back issues and then major issue last year. I can't remember what it was, like a torn bicep or something, but, you know, there's just a lot, and, and he just doesn't strike me as a guy whose body is uh, is is aging very well. Um, at this point in time so you know he's a guy that I'm gonna fade uh, right here Um, I think he hits a ton of ground balls had a really hard time lifting the ball up in the air you know it might be worth just monitoring him in spring training to see if he's hitting the ball in the air Um, you know ground ball uh, I believe it's it's they're called air outs um, in spring training but kind of like the ground ball to air outs uh Percentage, Jeff Zimmerman has done some research on this, and this is actually a little bit sticky. So he might be a guy where, you know, see how he's doing in spring training. Is he hitting a lot of fly balls, or is he just, you know, smashing the ball into the ground? And that could give you some insight into what he might look like um, uh, this season. Uh, you know, so Miggy, not not super interested in him right here. Uh, Yulieski Guriel is up next. Uh, dual eligibility at first and third. Uh, ADP of 192. Uh, His projection is 550 plate appearances, 65 runs, 14 home runs, 71 RBI, four stolen bases with a 284 batting average. Again, one of these very few high batting average uh, first basemen. That's a $9 projection, $8 ADP slot, so getting you a little bit of value. Um, there, Guriel is a guy that if I'm in batting average problems or if I'm in batting average trouble, you know, and I'm looking for maybe a corner infielder, you know, he's a guy that I'm looking at as a corner infielder. I think there's some, you know, room for growth in the profile. He started hitting more fly balls, so the power, you know, he's never been a big power guy at all, uh, but there may be a little bit of boost there coming. And then from an RBI perspective, if he's batting, you know, he's batted cleanup before for quite a while in the Astros lineup so if he's batting fifth maybe even sixth in that lineup with the addition of Michael Brantley you know I think there's could be a potential for some really nice RBI and he's just a solid overall uh, player at this position Um, you know but again there are some better values Um, speaking of which you know a guy that I do like a lot is Luke Voigt uh of the Yankees. you know the projection is low uh the aggregate projection, and again, you know I'm just taking these verbatim from um steamer a t c and uh the bat, you know adding those together uh and and the the reason why I'm doing that, and I'm not necessarily uh kind of overlaying my own projection is that you know the the guys who are doing this the guys who are putting this together. You know I'm not going to be able to create projections that are better than they are right Um, and and where I can adapt is is via plate appearances right is by modifying plate appearances or looking at where I might see some change in underlying skills that maybe aren't showing up in the projection that I disagree with but you know I don't want to share with all of you like a projection that I've created that I don't feel like is going to be as good and so I think it's more helpful to kind of share the projection, share the plate appearances, and then maybe talk a little bit about where I might disagree. And this is one of the examples, right? So with with Luke Voigt, the projection is 468 plate appearances, 61 runs, 20 home runs, 65 RBI, one stolen base with a 266 uh, batting average. That is a $6 projection, and this is an $8 ADP slot. Um, So he's actually losing $2 um, if you're just looking strictly at the projection. The thing with Voigt for me is this, is all offseason long we've been hearing about all these different players that they're going to bring in. You know, Manny Machado, they're going to trade for Carlos Santana. You know, they're going to do all of these things that's going to push Luke Voigt out of playing time. But here we are in spring training, and who is the starting first baseman for the Yankees right now? It's Luke Voigt. And when you look at the underlying metrics last year, obviously there was some luck, right? He's not going to hit, you know, over 300 and hit, A home run every five times he's up or whatever every 10 times he's up you know that's not going to continue it's there's going to be some regression there but some of the skills were just off the charts i mean his barrels per plate appearance was the highest of any hitter um with uh with at least 100 batted balls that's something he had the highest hard drive rate of anybody um via x stats of anybody who um you know uh, of any player with 100 battles in play and so he's a guy who just m- was making elite batted ball quality he's in an ideal position with the yankees because there isn't going to be a ton of pressure on him he's going to bat towards the end of the lineup it's a super deep lineup you know super deep so i think he's going to have op- opportunities especially for rbi uh the park is ideal you know for for voight who can hit uh, for power um to all fields and you know and and there's nothing in the underlying skills that's too concerning. I mean, his 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 contact rate is slightly below league average, but you'd expect that for a power hitter. Um, and it, again, you know, we're talking about an ADP of 192 here. Uh, you know, and um, you know the 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 plate discipline is is right around league average, maybe slightly better. Um, and you know, he doesn't he hits uh, plenty of fly balls, and so I think there's no reason to believe that you know if given the opportunity, he's not going to contribute um something and i think the yankees by not going out and getting somebody else are making it pretty clear that at least at this point that they see Voigt as their starting first baseman and that brings with it a ton of value so i could see Voigt um getting 600 plate appearances uh, and putting up a line you know that looks something like you know 75 uh 30 uh 85 you know with a 270 275 batting average you know, and that is going to be, you know, uh, that's going to be, I think, pretty valuable, right? That could push him up, you know, into the, you know, $15 range in terms of what he might be able to produce. And that's pretty similar to Jesus Aguilar. In fact, I think they have very similar profiles. Um, Voigt's may, Aguilar obviously has the better situation batting, probably, you know, fifth and in, in that really nice Brewers lineup, but, um, Voigt, uh, you know, even the batting ball quality for Voight thus far in his career uh, has been better, and I think there's some, some nicer uh, plate skills um, for Voight. So uh, Voight's a guy that I, that I hopefully will have in at least a couple couple drafts. Carlos Santana is, ex, is up next, uh, you know, Mr. Reliable, um, who's always producing value, uh, 197 ADP. The plate appearances is at six, 634 with 83 runs, 24 home runs, 81 RBI three stolen bases and a 250 batting average you know, like I he's just like almost guaranteed you know barring injury right like 80 20 80 just like bank on it and I think last year was about as low as he's gonna get in terms of batting average uh, he had a much higher expected batting average um, you know he doesn't strike out a lot the Babbitt was very low you know the batted ball quality isn't great for Babbitt because he hits a ton of fly balls and the infield fly balls went up a little bit uh, but you know just a really stable force. He's going to be batting cleanup uh, in the, for the Indians behind Lindor and Ramirez and that's that I think will be really really nice. Uh the projections have him as a $13 player, $8 draft slot, so $5 worth of value there for Santana, you know, which is uh which is really nice uh this late on in drafts. Trey Mancini uh is next in terms of ADP. He's got an ADP of 220. Uh so uh 6'11" Uh, 611 plate appearances, 69 runs, 23 home runs, 73 RBIs, one stolen bases with a 261 batting average. That's a $9 uh, projection, $7 ADP. So even where he's going right here around 230, he is producing. Uh, $2 worth of value compared to the projection. Uh, Mancini is a guy who I haven't been getting. You know, he might be a nice draft and hold guy with the first base and outfield um, eligibility, dual eligibility. Um, you know, the one thing that's very intriguing to me about Mancini is he's managed to hit, you know, over 20 home runs uh, in two consecutive years, despite having a very high ground ball rate. So if he can make some adjustments there, especially with a new regime in With the Orioles, that might be helpful. He does hit the ball really hard in the air. He's got a really nice um, barrels per plate appearance. Um, I believe it's around seven, maybe maybe even eight uh, barrels per plate appearance. So well above league average. Um, And so you know he's gonna get plenty of at bats. He's gonna be in the middle of that lineup, and so he might actually be a guy who produces a little bit of value. Um, if you can if you can cushion in the last, you know there's not gonna be stolen bases. Uh, the counting stats might not be terrific. Um, I think you know he's he is a he is a decent guy here. I don't think he gets a lot of love at 220, but um, you know the the projection ha- projections have him as the 125th uh, ranked hitter. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, one guy who is producing a decent amount of value is Justin Smoke uh, with an ADP of 229, 605 plate appearances, 76 runs, uh, 28 home runs, 80 RBI, one stolen base with a 244. Uh, batting average. Um, you know the batting average isn't great. The stolen bases aren't great, but that middle there, 76, 28, and 80, uh, is really nice. Batting in the middle of the Blue Jays lineup. That's an eleven dollar projection at a seven dollar ADP, so a four dollar value. So really nice right there. Especially in OBP leagues, is a he's a great uh, target because he walks a ton, and so that batting average slash OBP becomes about league average, if not better. Um, and so stolen bases is really the only area where he's hit, hurting you. You know, he definitely took a step back last year, uh, but the underlying metrics weren't terrible, um, and so he's been a consistent presence uh, with the Blue Jays in the middle of that lineup, and so, you know, um, you know there's no reason to see him losing playing time right now, um, and so, you know, he's a guy who, as a corner infielder, if you're looking for power, uh, you could do a lot worse than that. ADP of 230 is Jose Martinez. Um You know the projection again this is another plate appearance projection 429 52 runs 13 home runs 54 rbi two stolen bases with a 288 batting average great source of late batting average and if he falls into you know if he can get to 600 plate appearances i believe he just got to that this year he put together a really nice line really nice obp really nice batting average not a ton of power because he's another high ground ball guy but an overall really solid approach and dual eligibility at first base and outfield so he's a guy two dollar value for that projection at a seven dollar adp you know he's a guy who may be worth uh, taking a little bit of a risk on especially if you need batting average and hoping that he finds his way into a starting job in the outfield the only challenge is that with Paul Goldschmidt playing first base, you know, that's really his only opportunity and it doesn't look like he's going to get traded anywhere to be their DH. And so, you know, that's just something he's falling pretty far. He was actually available in uh, my uh, draft champions league with a two at, at at pick two fifty five, And if it was any other draft, I would have, I would have gone with him, but um, it's a draft and hold and I only had two closers. And so ended up drafting Brad Boxberger, which I was like, you know, already uh, regretting, uh, pretty, pretty heavily, just hate drafting, hate drafting closers. Um, you know, and so I think in a, in a regular format where there isn't such a premium on getting guys who might have access to saves right away, I definitely would have gone with Jose Martinez in that, in that situation. Next up, uh, Marwin Gonzalez, ADP of 234, obviously huge question marks around where he's going to play and where he's going to play is going to dictate at bats. Um, the project the projection that i have 549 plate appearances 63 runs 17 home runs 66 rbi 6 stolen bases a 260 batting average that's a 6 dollar projection at a 7 dollar adp the one thing that i'd say is if gonzalez does sign and he's a starter somewhere obviously that plate appearances gets bumped up uh you know probably 50 um, at least and so that's going to help him out a little bit uh, maybe even return some value at 234, but I think once he signs, you're also going to see that ADP shoot up. Um, you know, Gonzalez is a guy who's just kind of solid uh, all over, not spectacular. Uh, I was down on him heading into this year because last year, you know, his price was way too high. He got really lucky and then came back to earth this year. Um, you know, Gonzalez is a guy who, you know, I think could help you out with the the different you know multi-position eligibility that he has but again a lot depends on the situation he's in and you know that will likely be decided by the time you know spring training comes around but for him you know it's hard to draft him before you know where he's going to be because you know so much of his value is going to depend on how much he plays. That's going to wrap us up for episode 59 of the Batflip Crazy podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Be on the lookout for part two of the first base preview in the next day or so. As always, you can reach me on Twitter at Batflip Crazy. That's the best place to connect uh, and chat. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Best of luck with your baseball research. Take care and be kind to one another.